This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted pride of West London podcast. What we'll just wrecked the mic? What we'll just wrecked the mic? What we'll just wrecked the mic? Silence. Oh my god, I mean there's all sorts going off here. You think there's all sorts of celebrities in the house and everything like that. We've had a bit of a mad week and we're actually feeling quite vibey. We are actually we're not rumbling anywhere because we are actually in the old pack horse. Chiswick High Street, we come here quite a bit actually, and we, we do like this boozer. It's quite a funky little boozer again. Last time we came here it was proper funked out, wasn't it? Yeah, it's not as, not as funky as last time, if I'm honest with you. It's not, not quite as funky, but it's still quite funky as well. And I like the, like the little cinema chairs around the corner, like, you know. We're actually here in, in the snug, sort of cosying up together as well, as we, we, we always like to do, which is, which is lovely. Anyway, but, you know, the old pack horse, take care of you. Like I said, if you're ever in Chiswick, just come down here. Honestly, just mention Besotted Podcast. Look, geezers even turning up with all sorts of Cheers. food and stuff and beers and everything like that. The table is absolutely tremendous. But anyway, Besotted Pride of West London Podcast, and we sound really buzzing and jumping, even though we uh, lost at the weekend. We played Newcastle at the weekend, and unfortunately it didn't quite go according to plan. We'll talk about that in a minute, but we've got loads of other things to talk about at the moment now because it's amazing because Saturday of Brentford, it was... It wasn't only a football match, it was, a, it was a wash with celebrity. I mean, it was almost like Brentford was like sort of Chelsea or Manchester United or Arsenal. I mean, everyone wanted to come down there, you know, it was, it was amazing. It was like... There's all, all kinds of photo bombing going on. It was unbelievable, I mean, photo bombing everywhere, like, you know what I'm saying, yeah, left and right and all sorts of stuff, like, you know, but which is, which is good because all of a sudden or, you realise... Well, you, you realise that your club is on the map. When, uh, when you get A-listers wanting to come down, it's not all about A-listers, because for us, we know it's all about the real fans who go down to the real pubs and have a really good old drink, but it's all good. But it's funny, because I'm, I'm, who, who was down there on Saturday? I mean, I've, I've heard there was... Uh, who was it again? I saw Nathan Caton. Nathan Caton was down there. He was in the boozers. I had a couple of drinks as well. Um, um, uh, I saw Rhino out of status quo. 
Rhino was down there as well. I'm Seb. I saw some bloke from the BBC whose name I can't remember. From oh, Richard Conway as well. Yeah, yeah. He was chatting. He was having a few. Yeah, left quite a few beers with him um, in in the pub as well. Actually, in the Globe beforehand as well. Yeah, they're all down there. All, all sorts of stuff. Dutchman. Anyone else down there? Um, a couple of blokes off Saturday Night TV, but I can't remember the names. Can't, no, I can't remember. Can't. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And of course, that's right. And also, they're standing with us on the terrace as well. If anyone watch people, just do nothing. Um, the uh, BBC series, very cult as well. We had the uh, Charbuddy G and uh, DJ Steve as well were standing right with us at the front of the terrace as well. I mean, it was all sorts of that. In fact, they're even on the Besotted video. If you go and check besotted.co.uk as well, Charbuddy G does a little thing. We actually exposed him. Being a Newcastle fan, very funny, very funny. He's a right old character, and DJ Steve as well, proper character as well. But like I said, they stood with us for the whole game, had a little bit of a laugh, and I can't, I can't, can't remember who else was there. But anyway, listen, listen, guys. Leo was Leo, 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 Leo,
yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's a nice little project. And uh, Ilpai's it's got a lot of musical history as well. Okay, mu- and of course, musical history. And obviously, you know, after getting the bread for you, I mean, you'd obviously been working quite late, um, going over to Ilpai, doing bits and pieces as well. So sometimes you actually can't cook your own dinner. So sometimes you have to get a Saturday takeaway. Um, what exactly is your favourite Saturday takeaway? Uh, my favourite Saturday takeaway is uh, Three Points from Craven Cottage. Ah, interesting. Yeah. And um, talking to Phil Collins, w- will you be coming in the air tonight? Uh, no, I, I won't. I won't be. No, I won't be. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't come dancing either. Not at all. Let's move on. The Dutchman, how are you doing? I um, haven't been on for a few weeks. Dutch, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Billy. Good to be here. Good. Good week. Um, very good week. Yeah. Uh, following the transfer window, ins and outs, rumours, um, gossip, all the rest of it. So just you know, really accepting that Brentford's got talent. Um, Brentford has got talent, and, and, what, and what talent exactly do they have? Well, it's good to see the young kids coming through. Good to see Tom Field again uh, having another good game at the weekend. Chris Meffin coming on the week before, and you know, now we've got Premier clubs interested in Luke Dunn from the you know, the B team, the under 23s. Uh, someone that really hasn't got on our radar just yet. So great to see a conveyor belt of talent coming through. Excellent, excellent. And also, we've got the Royal Oak B, and we, we always like to get him down every every few weeks just to try and put a little bit of a sort of kind of an element, just a little bit of an edge to the podcast, you know what I'm saying? You know, but you know, we, we want to make sure that you know, we ply with enough beer so that he gets angry enough to actually say something because he seems to always tone it down off the microphone. He's ranting away, but he gets on the mic and he tones it down a bit. But maybe we might be able to get him up on a ranting edge today. Paul Grimes, the Royal Oak B, how are you? Well, I'm good, Bill. I'm ready to rumble this week, I've got to tell you. I'm ready to rumble Who this week. Who are you going to rumble with, Paul? Well, I'm going to rumble with whoever's coaching uh, uh, Hoffman to get to the back post for starters. Me and a Dutchman have already been at it, so I've been going to rumble with him. And I'm going to be rumbling with Josh McEachern because I've been slating him all of 2016 and I've seen two games in 2017. He's been man and match for me in both of them. So I'm ready to rumble, Bill. Excellent, excellent. So it uh, <laughs> looks like we're ready... Me? I'll tell you, I've told already I'm red or black, aren't I? I'm red or red, well, I'm red and black, actually, you know what I'm saying? Well, I can be both of them, I'm mean, red or well, black anyway, but you know what I'm saying? But put a bit of red in there. You know. <laughs> Listen, you, you. But anyway, look, we'll, we'll move on. Just quickly, we're talking about, but anyway, I mean, obviously, <laughs> a little jokes aside here as well, but on Saturday as well, it's, it's, it's good because bumped into a couple of my old old friends as well. Um, PJ Duncan or Anton Deck, as everyone knows him as well. Haven't seen them for about 10, probably about 10, 12 years. Did a load of stuff for them back in the day, as you do. So it was really, really good to catch up with them. And uh, like I said to you, they, they actually said that they really, really like the vibe at Brentford and they want to come back there again, even though they are Newcastle fans. But they said actually they like, they like the realness. They were in the uh, executive lounge and uh, they were sitting down there just doing all the bits. And I think they actually like the fact that it's very, very basic, but everything is actually real. There's a real vibe about that, which is really cool. You spoke to them? Of course I spoke to them. I spoke to them about half an hour. I didn't just, just jump into a photograph. <laughs> old mates, like I said to you, I'll tell you actually one story. Actually, one old school story, actually. I was just thinking that, about this. Because Deck once played at the uh, <laughs> Royal Albert Hall. So basically, we all got tickets. The whole company all went down there. It was like about sort of like sort of 50, 60 of us down there. And we were all in the boxes and everything like that, having a right old laugh. And it was those days when everyone's like, it goes absolutely mental. So anyway, one of my mates, she got some tickets. She bought her little niece. So the niece is sitting down there. And everyone was going absolutely mad. And this girl said to me, my niece turned around to me, right, and they came on, did it, except when it rumble, everyone's getting mental. Like, and I was absolutely mad. She turned around, she goes, um, auntie, what's that man doing up there? She pointed up, hanging off the edge. And basically this geezer has been hung over the edge 
of the box by his legs, just hanging over the side while everybody else was like going absolutely mental, throwing drinks over the side. But anyway, it was a bit, bit of a bit of a bit of an off story anyway. But anyway, we'll, the reason why we talked about that, obviously, Anna Deck were down at the game on Saturday. They really enjoyed the game on Saturday. They enjoyed it more because they got the uh, they got the three points. But we're not going to listen and talk about that game anymore because we're going to go back to the pub and we're going to hear what the fans had to say after the game. Newcastle and Brentford fans in the boozer. Watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic. Psych! Yeah, I thought we played really well. Um, very disappointed, actually, at the end of that. I was trying to think about any, how many chances that Newcastle had other than the goals. You know, they, they looked fast on the break, Newcastle, and they shut us down quickly, but I thought we matched them for most of the game. The second half, we came out, looked like we wanted it, and I, you know, just, just before they scored, we had a really good 10, 15 minutes of possession where I thought we were going to nick it, but... I guess that's why some teams are at the top and some are in the middle. Very unlucky. We played out of our skin, I thought. I don't know what... Couldn't see everything for their second goal, but um, it looked like it was a bit... I don't know. It looked a bit lucky to me, but they... I don't know. I don't know how those those shots didn't go in, the ones that we thought were going in. I just don't know. And uh, the ref was terrible, as usual. Well, he wasn't as bad as some, but he wasn't great. And uh, But I thought we played brilliant, especially in the second half. So disappointment in the house, and I've got the man, Maxime Collin, and he is here. And he's as disappointed as I am, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, like like everyone tonight, I'm really disappointed because we create a lot of chances. Uh, in the second half, uh, they only have one chance and they, they score. We we could uh, we could uh, we could score with Lasse when he shoot on the on the post. It could be two one for us. So it's really the, it could change the game. So yeah, really really disappointed because we I think we deserve uh, we deserve more. Lasse did really well in front also. He took the place of of Scott and I think he, he, he did really well tonight. Yeah, it's just a shame to to, to concede two goals uh, at home. Could be could be better if we if we can keep the clean sheet, uh, especially at home. So good things and also bad things. We need to we need to keep working and uh, go 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 to weekend and, and get some points. Was this a big decision to um, leave Hogan on the pitch because of his uh, resale value? How much would his value have gone up if he had put a couple of those chances away? There were a few injuries today, though, weren't there? Which was fair enough. It's nine minutes of injury time. So maybe if one of those injuries was Hogan, yeah. it could have been a different scenario. No, absolutely. That's that's what you're weighing up, basically. Three points, one point versus £15 million. Because, I mean, let's all be honest, he's on his way, he's going to go. To be on the subs bench, though, and not even warm up, I mean, you know, was, was there any point in actually, you know, being there? Was it, was it more just to sort of uh, go, go through the motions a little bit? First double of the season, away away in London, suddenly loses home, what's not the love? We, we ended up defending really deep, as if we were playing Chelsea, not Brentford, you know? I thought that we, we gave you too much respect later on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought you were probably worthy of a point, to be honest. I'm not going to grumble about it because we're back at the top, and it's all. It's we've lost games that we dominated, or like Blackburn away, we had 25 chances there, won, and lost all three points. Today we turned the tables a bit. What goes on comes around. Great day out as well, by the way. It's a lovely place to come to. I'm not blowing smoke up your arse, but what a fantastic trip out this has been. Great. It's it's all about the day out, and to be honest with you. It's a long time since I let a whole trip away be ruined by 90 minutes in the middle. Win or lose, you take out a pinch of salt. 
Good people, great place. We've had a great cracking day. Yeah, very reflective. I think actually what the result today showed is why Newcastle will get automatic promotion and why we'll be mid-table. It was a, they took the one chance uh, that we gifted them, to be honest. Um, but it wasn't a bad Brentford performance. In fact, I was pretty mightily cheered by what happened. My only criticism is why did we have Hogan on the bench? If, if we never intended to put Hogan, play Hogan, why put him on the bench at all? It was bad PR from Dean Smith and the management team to have him there. I mean, Hoffman actually didn't do a bad job when he came on. And, you know, we, we showed that, that with life without Hogan may not be as disastrous as some of our supporters think. I mean, V-Bay is a confidence player. I'm sure once V-Bay gets a couple of goals, he'll be really hammering him in all the time. But I was disappointed that we put Hogan on the bench because, hey, why not play him if, you know, in the last 10 minutes, 15 minutes, if he's fit to play? To be honest, I wasn't impressed with our performance. Um, I think the team we had out today will get smashed in the Premier League of pretty much any other team. Um, so I've got to be happy with the three points. Couldn't understand why, with nine minutes of injury time, we are sitting back like we're playing Man United. Not no disrespect to Brentford, but well, we are Man United. Yeah, well, same colours, but uh, really ridiculous. Nine, nine minutes, we should be attacking them. We should take the game to them. And we sat back, and it was uh, I don't know, embarrassing to be honest. Um, but as I say, very happy. Three points. Um, three three players stretch it off. So. Don't know if that had any, any, any influence on the game. First half, I thought we were going to walk it. I thought we were... We, early, early stages of the first half, I thought we were... It was all us. And I thought, right, this is going to be a stroll in the park. Obviously, it doesn't work that way. We got the first goal, and then... I don't know. The game changed. Brentford came at us. They got the equaliser. Second half, to be honest, all Brentford. We got the second goal. And then, as I say, nine minutes of injury time, we just we just defended for our, our lives. Again, we showed that Newcastle United went back feeling very, very fortunate today. And I, I haven't heard what's been said before me, but hopefully the Newcastle fans have been honest and um, given us given us the right sub, um, given us the right credit. Watch us wreck the mic. Watch us wreck the mic. Watch us wreck the mic. To be fair, the Newcastle fans said we smashed them, as you heard. Brentford fans are a bit gutted, but again, it's interesting because we played well and it was a good display, fans aren't as gutted as, say, for example, the Norwich game a couple of weeks ago where we actually got more points, but we didn't play that badly and everyone's a bit miserable. So it just goes to show you how the performance is very important to the fans because they think, OK, this is where we can go. But the question I because it was interesting, there's a couple of conversations flying around and there are some people saying, I'm really, really happy because Brentford played you know, really well, so that's just made me happy. But there's a few other people saying, I'm actually really gutted by that result because I think we could have won and we actually didn't do all we could have done to have won. You know, um, Hogan wasn't, wasn't, wasn't bought on and maybe if it was in another era, we'd have actually gone out because Newcastle were on their knees and actually killed them off and we didn't do it. I thought there was a couple of interesting point of views. Laney? 
I think there's a real honesty about Brentford fans, and, and both both of those opinions are absolutely spot on right. Um, I, I think that the, the the fans that say they were really pleased that we played well and lost are right, and the ones that say Scotty Hogan should have played and we may have got a point out of it, they're right too. But I think I think both camps really would agree that 15 million quid is the ultimate prize here, and whatever whatever we have to do, we need to protect that and. Brentford's project is all about buying players in for 750 and selling them for 15 million. You know, if we if we can pull that one off, it's it's worth dropping three points against Newcastle. It's a, it's a galling. No no one ever wants to see Brentford lose, and no one ever wants to see us field a, a a weakened team. But you can kind of understand it. And we, and we talked about this two weeks ago about you know Scotty Hogan being mothballed for a, for, for a couple of weeks, and that is it's exactly what we're seeing. And, you know, I, I, I don't really expect to, him to play for Brentford again. Uh, for me, there's no guarantee that Scott Hogan would have made a difference. I mean, there's a lot of people <clears throat> talking about how we actually play freer uh, without Scott Hogan. That Scott Hogan is, you know, when he's on the pitch, there's, there's only that one option. When he's not on the pitch, we've got more options. And, you know, to, to a certain extent, that's true. Clearly, Scott Hogan is our best forward. But, you know, is he, is he taking over... In a way that Judge did for parts of last season, that he was the player that every ball had to go through. So you know, there, there's you know, you could look at it that way. Maybe we wouldn't have played as well uh, with Scott Hogan on the pitch. But you know, we did play well, and I, you know, and uh, it, it looks good for the future. We lost. I mean, <laughs> Sam finished off on the note that we lost, and interesting as well. Kev the Geordie on the podcast, probably not on this little clip, but in the longer podcast, if you listen to it on besotted.co.uk, he, he interjected and he said, look, you know, you guys, you're sitting down there, you're waxing lyrical about how beautifully you team play, but you've played us twice and you've lost twice, so it doesn't really matter how well you've played. At the end of the day, you haven't got the points and maybe that's not good enough. Dutch, what do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, after the game, I was probably in the camp of saying I was quite pleased we played well and I thought we put up a good show. And then watching the highlights and kind of reflecting and reading and speaking back, I was I probably moved camps into that. Actually, I was quite pissed off that we didn't do better. Um, because the irony is, uh, I think I said to someone on the way out, was we played up at Newcastle, we didn't turn up. And we played at home, we played really, really well. But you know what, same result in both. You know, give or take a goal. And you know, we're coming out with no points. And I guess that's why they're at the top and we're in the middle, as I said last week. And um, yeah, there, there's lessons to be learned. So there, there's definitely positives to take out of the performance. Um, you know, we could all see what we were trying to achieve in that game and... I thought you know we, we approached it in the right attitude and the right mental state, but you know, for, for whatever reason we didn't take our chances. We didn't you know, perhaps put the, the substitutions in the way that we'd have all chosen to put them on. And you know that, that's the sort of lesson we want to learn if we want to go from being a mid-table team to being a genuine promotion contender. The Royal Oak B. I mean, let's just bring it out for me now, actually, because I know you. Not so you're probably controversial, but sometimes you say it as it is and you just hold it back. You're sometimes quite critical of the players and you think that maybe they can actually do things better than they are doing as you're throwing out there. You had some observations of that game, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I, I, Bill, I, uh, Josh McEachern, for me, is a frustration because he's the closest player I've seen to uh, um, a young, kind of, our level, championship level, Glenn Hoddle, with the range of passing that he has in his locker. He has got tremendous passing ability and he has only really let it go a couple of times this season and particularly against Eastleigh he let it go and then on Saturday took a couple of minutes but after about four or five minutes he put a pass over the top which astounded me it was from the centre of the park out to the right hand side 
and it was a pass that he hasn't played, put on, while Scott Hogan has been in the team. And it's notable that uh, Newcastle played a much higher line on Saturday uh, defensively because we weren't playing Scott Hogan. And so that allowed uh, McEachern to, uh, to play his passes from slightly deeper um, behind the, the opposing centre-halves, full-backs, for willing players, willing runners like Vibay, who you know run his socks off for, the, for 60, 70 minutes on Saturday, to run in behind and challenge, which brings our whole game, the whole team's game, further up the park. So... Backing up what Sav has said, there is a, there is a, an element of, of correctness in what he's saying is that we do play uh, a different style of play when Hogan's not in the side because teams drop deeper because of his pace. You, you mentioned Glenn Hoddle, explain. Well, you know, McEachern has just got a left foot to die for and he, I mean, he can really pass the ball exceptionally over... 5, 10, 15, 25, 30, 40, 50 yards, no problem. There's a, there was one pass against Eastleigh from the edge of our box from a cluster of players and he knocked it 70 yards, I reckon, out to the left-hand side to field, who took it down, first touch perfectly and set up a, 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 a passage of play which didn't lead to anything but gave McEachern great confidence uh, to, to make that type of pass again and again and again and he's that type of player that if he if he's allowed to make those free passes where he, where he sees something that instinct to, to pass a ball not think about look up and look there's a player running but he knows that he's got the ball and he knows that he can put a ball on a sixpence so if he knows he's got someone who's willing to run to where that sixpence is he's going to land the ball there in front of the player well, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to those volleyed goals that Glenn Hoddle was so famous for because he needs to add that to his game. He needs to, if if, he, if he's going to be mentioned in that same 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 breath, he needs to add a bit more to his game. I mean, so I, I want to agree with Paul that you know McEachern has looked fantastic in the last couple of games, but there's that inconsistency problem that all of the Brentford players have got. There, there isn't one that can you can say hasn't got it because he's the one that gave the ball away for their winning goal. And you keep making those mistakes. I mean, Dean did it loads for the past three seasons. He's got a bit better this season. I think that's why he's, he's been a, bit, a better player, because he's been cutting out the mistakes. But we've got a lot of young players, and they're still making mistakes. And against the professional sides, like your Boroughs for the past two years, Newcastles and your Norwiches and stuff, we're going to get battered every time we make a mistake. So I just want to say on that, right, because for me, uh, McEachern's been man the match for the last two games and made a mistake on Saturday. But against Fulham and against Birmingham at home, both home games, I think I'm right in saying that Ryan Woods was was uh, was nominated as man of the match. And yet in both of those games, Ryan Woods gave the ball away in exactly the same position as McEachern gave the ball away on Saturday. So he gave it away twice in exactly the same position. Both led to a goal, both led to a defeat. Now, I'm going to just bring this up as well because it's interesting because you, you've also got a bit of frustration about Woodsy, haven't you? Yeah, I do because I think he's easily scouted by opposition teams. I think as much as we love him and we do love him, we love the fact that he wants the ball, he wants to receive the ball. Um, from a, from a centre-forward's point of view, I'd say he's a, he's a, he's a, I don't want to swear, but he's a frustration, a fifth for frustration because he doesn't let go of the ball in the way that McEachern can and will. And so what he does is he looks to retain possession over a short five-yard pass, and if he doesn't give that short five-yard pass, it's a guarantee that he will turn backwards towards the centre-halves. So if you're scouting him the week before for the next week's opposition, you can pick his plays very quickly. And against Newcastle away, when he's facing forward, if he doesn't pass the ball straight away, 
then you immediately get the closest up the second defender to him to, to double team him because you know that he's going to turn backwards and if you can get him to lose the ball facing our goal then that puts the opposition on the front foot towards our goal which happened time and time and time again at St, at St James's Park I think what we're seeing with those midfielders is yeah, we're going to have to accept that for the time being they're young in, well they're inexperienced at this level all of them you know, even McCracken for all his you know, promise and history with Chelsea hasn't played a lot of games I think with him and Woods and Sawyers you know, it's, it's their kind of first real year playing this level of football and for all the good things they do uh, as frustrating as it is and I agree with Grimesy entirely it is frustrating that's probably you know, we're going to have to accept that for this season at least you know, they are going to make those silly errors and if they can take those errors out of their game there's some very promising young players in that in that team. I'm just wondering as well because obviously you know we, we did a good I mean easily different side but Newcastle they play a particular type of football which seems to suit us as well. I mean we not only they say everyone raises their game but also you know the style of football that we have we played against them so we look good and we actually battered them. Um, obviously we need to do that week on week. You know we're going to talk about this a bit later but teams like Wigan are probably not so attacking, not so expansive. If anything, they're a little bit defensive. So uh, does Newcastle make us look better than what we actually are, if, 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 you, if you understand what I'm trying to say? The, the thing about Newcastle is they're confident in their in their their prowess. They're, they're confident in their very good team. You know, they are a Premier League team stuck in, in, in the Championship. So... Um, so, so they know that over the course of 90 minutes, they've got enough quality normally to win a match. Sometimes they're going to get unstuck. Wigan, on the other hand, they know that they're really going to—they're they're really in survival mode. They've had an awful start to the season. They're at the wrong end of the division. It's it's chalk and cheese. Newcastle will will plug away and they'll let you attack them. And they they know that they're strong enough in defence probably to to, to to rub you out. They know that in, in Dwight Gale they've got a striker, or the strikers there that will take their chances. They're, they're Premier League players they've got there. So more often than not, Newcastle will win. Wigan, on the other hand, we have to go there with the same mindset. We have to go out there confident that we can go and play them and play them off the park, and we, we can do that. We have to go and be strong from the off, and we can, we can, go, to, we can go up there and we can win, and we, I think we will win. I think it's, it's fine margins. I mean, we, we hit the post and possibly the ball went over the line. You know, we, we, we had very good chances against Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle, uh, as, as Dave says, you know, percentage-wise, they will you know, they will play us so many times and they will win so many times. And we, we came so close and it's just really frustrating for us that we played that game, which they allowed us to play because Dave says they've got the confidence to know that, you know, they'll just nick one when, when they need to and defensively they're... they're They'll be quite strong. I thought Dunnett was a superb player for them, um, but you know they've, they've got those kind of players, and we've got slightly lesser players. And, but they're so professional. The way they go about stuff is so professional because they've got got the right players. They play they play a system, and you know we, we will beat them occasionally. But what we've got to do, we've got to beat the Wiggins. We've got to beat the teams in the middle of the table, and you know and occasionally beat. Beat a Reading, beat a Brighton, beat a Newcastle. But also, again, interesting. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. I'm going to speak to Paul in a second as well. Is what you're also saying 
in there, in effect, is that you have to have the right players to play the system that you want to play. And uh, we haven't quite, I mean, we talked, we could talk about this till the cows come home, but we haven't, but we see it every time. You might we beat a team one week and then you don't beat a team one week, but we haven't necessarily got the right combination or the balance to play the system that we're trying to play all the time. So we end up compromising a lot of the time. No, uh, no I don't think it's that. I think we haven't got, we haven't got the, the players with the experience. We buy players with very little experience of this league and we play them for a few years. And look at Dean. Dean has got better and better and better. And you know, now he's the, probably the most experienced uh, championship player that we've got. You know, he's played pretty much every game in the championship uh, that we've been there. And you know, he's played a couple of seasons before that. And he's an experienced player. A lot of the others, like Sawyers, you know, the, the, the people the Dutch talked about, uh, you know, quite often this is their first season. They're only half a season in. But isn't, again, and we talked about this before, doesn't this pose a problem? Because what we do... These players come through, and look, we're very happy that we buy these players for 200 grand, 300 grand, 500 grand, 600 grand. I mean, I got, um, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. I mean, you know, one of my, um, my mates from Burnley, who uh, she, 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 she messaged me last night, we were just chatting away, and she said to me, Tarkovsky. Oh my God, she goes, You guys, Tarkovsky, he's going to turn into a brilliant Premier League defender for us at the moment now. Um, he's going to take over when is it Keane um, goes. He's going to take over, he's going to be the number one. He's brilliant. And she said, You guys seem to find these players, you know. So all of a sudden, there's everyone around there is recognising, and we, I'm going to come on to this a little bit later, what I'm saying, but um, we seem to be very good at doing this. However, the problem is that we sell them on after two years. So the problem is that we get them when they're green, and just about when they're good enough, we sell them on. We're, surely the time that we want to be keeping them is when they're actually developed, and we keep them for another season or two in that developed time, or else all we'll end up doing is developing players the whole time, then moving them on, and then we're always, always, always in that sort of kind of green position. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the players that we have moved on, we actually bought in League One when it was easier to buy those players, easier to find them, easier to buy them. Uh, we're finding that more difficult, aren't we, in the Championship? I mean, I know this is one of the things that you, you talk about a lot, and, you know, uh, but it's, it's something we've got to do to a certain level, but if you look at the players... We've got on long contracts now, people like uh, Woods, Sawyers, uh, Bentley, Henry. Uh, these, these could be you know, part, part of a team. Anton Deck? And, yes. <laughs> no. Uh, but you know, th- this is part of a team that could, in maybe two years' time, have that championship experience of you know, 100, 150 games and uh, take us to the promised land. Oh, I have to dis- disagree, so time to get ready to rumble here because let's go back to the Newcastle style of play that Dave's talking about think about Rafa Benitez think about Jurgen Klopp as Liverpool managers and think about the two different Liverpool sides that, that they managed Klopp is all about full force full forward offensive high pressing team and Benitez was all about a deep defence two lines of four uh, defend and, and uh, score on a breakaway he's doing exactly the same at Newcastle in the Championship two lines of four defend deep, blot out the opposition's chances, let them have chances, which they did in abundance on Saturday. But, and this is the big difference between them and us on Saturday, they, we gave the ball away twice and they punished us twice. They gave us chances. I can't remember what the, what the stats were on Saturday, but they certainly in the first half we had four chances to score goals, two, at least two one-on-ones in each half, and we didn't punish them. And, and that's because... The, the quality of players that we have now got, uh, you know, that we've accumulated in the recent uh, transfer windows, are not as good as the players that we previously acquired in the previous transfer windows, who we've gone on to sell or or nearly sell this time last year 
for eight, nine million pounds. Um, we, we certainly wasted lots of chances on, on Saturday and a lot of them fell to, to V-Bay who was trying to fill Hogan's shoes. So, you know, V-Bay's not a natural finisher, but he's still got a decent goal-scoring ratio. Um, but, you know, he, he's not the first name I want to see playing up front, despite the fact he's a guy that, you know, generally recognise and acknowledge his, his strengths and effort and, you know, work rate that he puts in. Um, other players as good as the previous ones? Uh, I guess Hogan's was his new, but he was bought a while back, wasn't he? You know, BLM, we haven't really seen. I don't think we've seen enough of those players, and I think the difference is some of those first players came in, we saw them play regularly. You know, we, people like Barbe, they're in and out. You know, Collins been in and out. You know, Bielen in and out. They, they, they haven't had that same consistency. Maybe that's routine, structure, squad, you know, or, or just the way that we're going. So I, I think there's some there that we haven't necessarily seen whether they can or not, you know, and the jury's out on a lot of them, not necessarily because they're not good enough, but we just haven't seen enough of them to form an opinion. That's right. I'll just give you an idea of something I'm thinking now. If we, if we were naming the side from the striker back to the keeper rather than the other way around, you know, you always name the keeper first, then your defence. If we were naming the, the team today with the players that are available to us today, if they were fit, if I said to you that we're going to start Hogan up front, either side of Hogan we're going to have Judge and Yotta, and behind those three we're going to have McEachern. What would what would be the lineup? What would be the uh, system that we'd be playing from that point on? Because you could either go with a four-two-three-one and play two defenders behind that front four, because you'd be happy with that front four, surely. Yeah, you would, mate. And both those players still play for us. You know, the, all we, four. Haven't, we haven't seen. Sorry, I meant the two that haven't been yeah. regulars, but um, yeah, all, all four. But you know, Judge still plays for us in on paper at least. You know, and Yotta's back, so we, we could play that lineup. I do think. And I've said previously, we, we, we sometimes try and cram our players in rather than pick a formation that we want to play. And I think that's sometimes the confusion that we don't always know the style we want to play. And we look at the players and try and, you know, that's why we end up playing nine centre-halves, you know, or, or seven midfielders sometimes because we're trying to desperately get these people out there. And that's why we haven't seen the best of some of them. But if you're a genuine championship team competing for the premiership, you have to accept that not everyone's going to play, not everyone's going to be happy, and you have to go and pick the formation and pick the players that Right, so so our, our t- formations from for me that we've seen are four two three one. So we'd have two holding midfielders, mid players. So let's say Yanaris and Woods for argument's sake, or we'd or we'd play five and one holding midfield player. So let's say we drop Yanaris and we play Woods there, mm. or we drop Woods and play Yanaris there because he's more defensive and that's the role that he's supposed to be playing. The wing backs push on, the centre backs are protected. I've just dropped Ryan Woods. Christ, I'm going to be crucified. I've told you, I'm ready to rumble tonight, Bill. <laughs> keep keep rumbling away. Listen, the conversation... Uh, Dutchman. I was just to say, well, I think Tom Phil's a good example of that because you know, there's a guy who's come in, a very, very promising youngster we got, but we've got a left-back playing at left-back. And the difference you can suddenly see by having a left-back playing left-back rather than a centre-half playing left-back, you know, either on the wrong foot or people moving across. But he's a proper left-back. He's not, he's not, he's not bare-end moving to left-back. Moving across, I think you just see that difference. That's kind of my point. I think you need players playing in their natural positions to help out that formation. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. Yeah, which is I, what I was saying before about compromise. Yeah, and I, I don't know the right formation. I don't study it as, as technically as the, the Allard or, or Grimesy does, and you know, I, I don't. That, that's not how I watch my football. But I do think there is an absolute case for having people playing in the right positions who know that that part of the game, where to position themselves, where to be at the right place at the right time. And I think you see that with Field as a good example of how you know, a very promising young left-back actually looks massively at home and we look a better team for having him in. Rico Henry is apparently close to fitness. Discuss. I mean, it, 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 that, that really chucks the cat amongst the pigeons because 
is is he does he boost the team or does he does he confuse the selection process? Because you know it, he's 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 a he's a natural left back, but is he is he are we going to play him as a left winger? Well, I mean, um, uh, Dean Smith's actually come out and said that uh, both Field and Henry could play together because uh, both can play uh, on the wing, both can play as fullback, and they both have. But I mean, for me, I, I'm a slightly. I mean. I know it's been working in uh, inverted commas, but the, the back five is a bit of an issue for me because I think in that back five, Egan has become less of a player than he was before. I think he's the one that's suffering from the back five, and uh, I mean my my preferred lineup. Compromise again? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, of course. But my my preferred lineup has always been four three three ever since Warburton just uh, started this four three three. I just think that's always been the, the, the beautiful lineup for Brentford to play. So listen, I mean, anyone else got any views? I mean, lots of opinions flying around here. Um, like I said, post Newcastle match, again, you know, good to get different opinions as well. Listen, we're not saying the players out there are rubbish or, or slagging them off or anything like that. What we're just sort of saying is that we're still um, working, work, work in progress. Work in progress very much as Brentford going out there as well. Did very well against Newcastle, didn't quite work. And like I said to you, and we'll talk about this in a minute, we've got the transfer window coming up and maybe a few more cogs inside there and people playing in the right positions may actually help us in our game to actually get to where we want to go. Laney, just quickly. Yeah, just quickly. I'm, Monday night, I was sitting at home with my son and we said, is there football on tonight? And he went, yeah, yeah, it says there's football on. And like, but it doesn't say what fixture it is. And I was just sitting there going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what is it? What Premier League games? And, and I re- I did, it was only like that an hour later I realised it should have been Brentford and uh, there was no game on Sky. And I just thought, oh, you know, how quickly you forget. I probably wouldn't have forgotten if I had spent 300 quid and I was a Newcastle fan trying to get down for the game on the Saturday because they flipped it. So I felt a bit lucky that all the, my only confusion was I didn't know what game should have been on rather than having to pay my monthly mortgage payment on getting down to the game. Well, Did we lose out on the TV rights for that? Does anybody know? So that, that was moved for TV purposes. And then moved yeah, we do. You, we don't get the TV money, yeah. Compensation? No, just a straight lose... Two, two Geordie fans paid £3 to get an E3 from Chiswick down at Brentford. Like the old absolute, absolute rip-off, mate, you know what I'm saying? They should be right to the authorities. Right, this guy. Rip-off Britain. <laughs> well, there was, there was two, two Geordie fans who said uh, that they, 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 couldn't, um, they couldn't pay cash on the bus. So they said, can I, can I walk to Ealing? I need to get to Ealing. I said, you can. He said, how long will it take? I said, about 25, 30 minutes. And he goes, oh, OK. Hmm. So he just went. They just walked off towards Eden. And they into the ether. They got they had three points, so they were happy anyway, weren't they? But listen, anyway, we're gonna talk about the transfer window now. A little bit to talk about. I mean there's all sorts of gossip going around, but it's also got a little flip flat. But we'll talk about the transfer window, about transfers, what's going on and anything else that comes to our fancy. Watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic. Psych! So as we all know, the transfer window is live and kicking and uh, probably the, sort of the biggest bit of news to come out of this rather dull transfer week this week is the fact that um, Sam Saunders and Alan McCormack, who are two Brentford stalwarts in this team, are actually uh, on the transfer list. They've been said that if they want to get a move, they can get a move and uh, that has caused quite a lot of stirs amongst Brentford fans. I see the uh, Royal Oak B here is absolutely getting mental in the corner. Actually, wants to say something, Royal Oak. What are you saying? I want to pull somebody's ponytail out. That's what I want to do, Bill. What are we going to save letting them two go five, 15 weeks early? I, 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 let's throw it out there. What, what are we going to save, Sav? 
we're going to save some wages and they're not going to play. So, I mean, what's the point of them being there? Are we not, are we not doing it to help them? Just to play devil's avocado. You know, they're, they're guys have had great service for us. We all love them. Most people probably would agree that they've got no longer-term place here as much as they're going to leave as legends. But if we can let them go down and they get a deal, then I hope, hope that we're doing it to help the guys out. I don't think we're doing it for the wage saving. No, that's not what he said. What he said was if, the, if an offer is made for either player that's right for Brentford, then they will be allowed to leave. That's what, they're available for transfer if an offer is made. It's not a free transfer. They're not allowed to go and negotiate a new contract with a new employer with six months left of their contract to go. And if they get the right contract and they want to take it up that contract and leave, Brentford could, would let them go. The club that's going to give them the contract has got to make Brentford an offer, i.e. pay some of their wages between now and 15 weeks' time. Now, let's guess that they're on three grand a week each. There's 15 weeks left in the season. My working's out. 15 times 6 is 90 grand. That's two players, one of whom has been on the bench for four of the last six games, I think, and Macker was on the bench for one of the, the last six. So we're going to have to replace at least one of those on the bench. So let's say we bring up one of the players from the B team when they get back next week, which I'm all for, as you know. So maybe we bring up James Ferry or maybe we bring up uh, um, Cole or, or, or Zane Westbrook, something like that. I'm all for that, but we're going to save £90,000. So what's a, what's a club out there going to pay for two players that we're going we're gonna to pay ninety grand? They say, oh, OK, Brentford, we'll give you £45,000 if you let us have both of them. And we've just saved forty five grand. Give them a free transfer or give them a coaching contract. Simple as that. That's what I'd do. Um, both players are elephants in the room as far as I'm concerned. Both, both players are at the tail end of their Brentford careers. McCormack has been out of favour since his, 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 his fracas. Um, and Saunders... I love him. Um, he's been a brilliant ambassador for Brentford. He's been a very good player for Brentford. He's been a he was a great signing for Brentford, but he's on he's on the he's on the way out. And and you know for for, for all you love him, you know every player that comes, every player that goes, and you know it, 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 yeah okay yeah. But but we we are good at looking after our players. You know you 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 look at. You look at the way we looked after Hogan. You look at the way we look after Bielend. You look look after even the way we looked after Yotta. All of those players we've given, we've 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 surrounded by love, and they've come back to us, or uh, we've we've looked after them, and we will get we will get money for them. And Saunders, down on the head there. We will get money for those players that we've looked after. These players have looked after our football club. They've been long-term servants, loyal servants for our football club. If we give them a free transfer, Alan McCormack will sign for Coventry tomorrow and, and Sam Saunders will sign for Portland Timbers, Portland Timbers on the 1st of March. No danger. We're asking for a fee for them or some, some contribution towards their forthcoming wages or something, the way it's been worded. That's the way I've read it. If, you know, if I've got it wrong, then, then fine. I can calm down and stop rumbling. But the way it was worded is that we're asking for something that's right for the club to allow these two stalwarts of the club to leave. You'll never calm down and stop grumbling, mate. We wouldn't invite you on the podcast. <laughs> um, I don't know. I didn't read it that way. I mean, I, I could be wrong or being naive. I mean, I think they're two players that I like greatly. Um, I, I, I like to think that the offer will be there. We are a business at the end of the day. Um, they're not going to play for us again in any meaningful shape or or form so I guess if there's an offer there that suits all parties we should go for it uh, yeah, do we hang out for six months and give them a free transfer I mean you may be right maybe give them a free transfer now I didn't read it that way 
you're taking it slightly different than I, but um, they're two players that I think you know, we, we've, we've looked after over the years um, you know, through some, some injuries for both of those as well and through some other issues. So I don't think we've been harsh on those two players. Um, let, let's hope they leave in a, in a good way because yeah, it's, it's good to have people that you look back on and legends and heroes, particularly as we come up through the, the leagues. That we I think the what's good for the club thing that Paul's talking about, uh, I mean, there has been talk of Alan McCormack going to Coventry. So maybe what's good for the club is that that helps the deal to get Ben Stevenson uh, to Bentford. So, I mean, it, it, it could be that. Maybe, maybe we're just holding out a little bit longer for that. I mean, again, from our point of view as well, just thinking about it is that, again, it's a business that we run. So it's interesting where people sort of say, oh, no, you know, they uh, think that people are throwing money the whole time. But it is a business that we run. And, and maybe the thought is that Alan McCormack has got a value. Um, then I spoke to my Millwall mate and I said to him, you know, the, the word is that Alan McCormack may be coming down to you and they've gone, hallelujah, this is absolutely brilliant. Okay, not saying they've got loads of money, but the fact is that he has got a value to Millwall, he's got a value to Coventry, whether or not it's in a swap deal, as you say, whether or not it's which we get 100 grand or 50 grand. At the end of the day, John Egan cost us 450 grand, okay? So if we got say for example 100 grand for Alan McCormick then that that, 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 that bums off the, the, the fee that he that you paid for him so all I'm saying is that in the football game at the end of the day you're obviously going to try and realise as much money as you can get to get back so that you can actually invest it back in the side we don't we don't spend 5 million on players we end up spending what Kirschbaum cost what 300 grand right okay didn't quite work out but at the end of the day is that if you get 100 grand of that back somewhere else it kind of works in your favour Bill the value of Alan McCormick's contract is £45,000 that's what the value of his remaining contract is. So, which club is going to pay a hundred thousand pound for him? And what, what, what if, if Coventry City know that the value of his rema- the remaining value of his contract, i.e., what Brentford have got to pay him if he stays until July, is forty-five thousand pounds? How much do you think they're going to offer off of the Ben Stevenson? Because if I was Coventry chairman, I'd offer forty-five thousand pounds off. So instead of off- instead of getting two million, I'd say yeah, you can have him for one point nine five five million pounds and Alan McCormack because I want two million pounds just the same way that you want 15 million for Scott Hogan you pay, you pay money for people up early because you want to get them before they're on the market if, if McCormack goes in the, at the end of the year on a free transfer you've got you know, 92 clubs plus those around Europe and America everywhere else that might offer them a, a deal so the, the premium that you pay is to try and get them now isn't it you, you're willing to pay a bit of money to secure that deal before they go onto the open market no because he, because some, the next club he goes to at 33 is not going to pay him the wages that he can earn if he stays at Brentford until June so Adam McCormack's choices are stay at Brentford till June and earn £3,000 a week or a free transfer which means Brentford pays up the remainder of his contract £45,000 thank you much for, very much for your service and then he can go and sign for Millwall for two grand a week you're not going to get a hundred thousand pound transfer fee, and him going to get the same wages somewhere else at 33. He's got no value to us in terms of transfer value, nor is Sam Saunders. We're not going to receive any money for them between now and June. They're either going to stay put until June because they will not get the same value of their contracts elsewhere until between now and then, and then they'll be free agents. Or we give them a free transfer now, which means that we're going to basically say there's a 45,000 pound handshake each. That's it. So anyway, transfer windows, we said, I mean, obviously there's a little bit of act- not activity there, but there's a little bit of, you know, movement there from Brentford as in the fact that we put these two players on the transfer list. 
With regards to the transfer window, at the moment now, to be quite honest with you, it is actually quite dead. Uh, the transfer window is sort of a little bit flurry at the beginning. It's gone actually quite dead. From, from the Brentford point of view, obviously we know about the, um, the, the Hogan deals uh, with West Ham has come to a halt. There's lots of stories flying around saying they're going to put in an offer for this and that and the other. Money's nowhere near what has been said and it's come to a, a standstill at the moment now. And if it moves on, maybe it might do next week or closer to the window, probably closer to the window. But at the moment now, like, you know, they're all playing their chess games and that's the way kind of it is. What else is happening there? Oh, we talked about um, Ben Stevenson from Coventry. Again, that is like loads of money flying around there. So, you know, the, the Alan McCormack, Ben Stevenson thing isn't going to happen really now because, you know, they're offering too much, you know, they're asking for too much money for that. Maybe they think it's the right amount, but that's not happening there as well. And other deals as well. There's... um. As you read Besotted.co.uk, we did report a story that there's a little Dutch player that we are sniffing around at the moment. Now, we can't say any more about that, but as I've said, the characters, uh, they've, they've seen him, and it's not a bit of an ITK thing. It's just one of those things where the contact, who was one of our contacts in Holland, who told us, and he told us to speak, he said you can say where he's coming from, but you can't say the club and you can't say the player because it's in negotiation stage at the moment now, and we're not allowed to. But that's quite interesting that we've, got, that we've said that we we're actually going in the day that on the week that we uh, got the Brexit you know we got the 12 point plan come out you know what I'm saying we we're actually looking back to Europe and bringing players back from Europe after sort of neglecting Europe for a while so like we're looking over there so that could be quite interesting you know quite a speedy little fast little kind of exciting player out there if he comes in may not happen you never know it's interesting um, the Warbo from uh, Wigan is also going to talk about Max Power the Wigan player who uh, we were in for as well. Again, loads of money and all that. Like, he talks about his wife um, um, saying that the deal wasn't going to happen. But apparently, oh, I think that might be a kind of a, a Chinese whisper going on around there. Of course, Ollie Watkins is out there as well, who's banging a few goals and loads of people are saying about him. So there's all sorts of rumours. We ain't going to talk about them too much because there's no point. There's nothing really happening at the moment now. But there is also another deal that happened recently. It was Bentley. Bentley, finally, the tribunal said, hey, Brentford, you have to pay £1.1 million for Bentley. Our Brentford fans turned around and said, well, cool, that's not too bad, that's not bad. I think, to be quite honest with you, it's probably at the top end of what Brentford are expecting to play. I think they're looking at about maybe about three quarters of a million to a million, you know, in the window. But, you know, you could look around at that and think, oh, OK, that's not too bad. Now, what I looked at that, I just thought, OK, Bentley, I'm looking at him, I think he's a good keeper. Then I looked back and I was talking about my friend uh, from Burnley who uh, contacted me last night saying, oh, Tarkowski, brilliant player for us. He's going to do really well. He's doing so fantastic. He's going to be like a top Premier League player for us. And we bought Tarkowski for, what, 300 grand or something like that and we sold him for, what, for 3 million or something, you know. We've got Forshaw, you know, he's doing things for Borough in the, in, the, in the Premier League as well. You know, we bought him for, like, 50p and he's up there as well doing his thing. We sold him for 3.5 million or whatever it was for Burnley. We've got Andre Gray. You know, all these players that we've bought in and we're doing the business with, Egan, 450 grand in uh, in the in the the tribunal. All of a sudden, it's like, you know, everyone said he's worth at least a couple of million, okay? He's still got work to do. I was just thinking, the question is, I mean, a lot of people keep turning around saying, Brentford, you don't know what you're doing, transfer window, this, that, the other, but... It's not a gross-tinted classes thing. Obviously, you know, my Burnley mate turned around to me and says, you seem, guys seem to be doing quite well in the window. And I'm just throwing this question out to you. At the end of the day, there are some duffs, some players that we had going, Javi Venta, you know, all these kind of stuff that didn't do too well. But we did a little calculation last week, and we put out the fact that we've probably, I think we've, we've pulled in about 30 grand or 25 grand before Scott Hogan, sorry, 35 million, 25 million before Scott Hogan. And uh, we've spent about, I think it was about... 10 million okay so 
is the method of doing things that we got, is it the right way, is it the wrong way, could it could be better? Well, to me, looking at those as, as stone-cold figures, it looks like we seem to be doing something right, especially if other people say to us, Brentford, you seem to be doing all right, aren't you? You forgot about Fuck Off Bidwell as well. Yeah. And, but, you know, you're, you're spot on. Um, you, you have to understand what, what the model is about. It's about picking talent that's worth not not nothing you know we're paying decent money for these players still but we transform them into players that are worth 10 15 20 100 times what we pay for them um and we can only do that in the championship we can't do that in league one you, you see what happens in league one we, we you, you have to sell them for what you can get for them we, we know now that you can play 20 30 40 50 games at this level and you can be worth two or three or four million pounds it, it, that's that's the market we're in now, and players will come to Brentford now because that they can establish themselves. Like Ryan Woods, Ryan Woods, he had Pritchard in his pocket. Pritchard's an eight million pound player. Ryan Woods, what's he worth now? You know, five, six, seven million pounds, and and you know it's fact. And you've got you've got players like Scotty Hogan who who, who can have bad injuries, and they they can they can then prove their worth and score loads of goals, and he's worth fifteen mil. Well, we, again, we play again. Look at it. We play a high risk game. When you look at you know say Egan or you know some of these players that we pulled in. You know even Barbe, for example, he hasn't been, had a run in the side, but I think he's a very he's a very good player. Okay, I don't know how much we paid for him. Probably five hundred grand. You know what I'm saying? But the fact is that is we play a high risk game where we pull these players in. You, you they have the signs to do well, but not necessarily all of them are going to flourish. But the fact is that if we bring in six players. And be, to be quite honest, two of them flourish, like a, a Gray and 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 and, 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 and you know Forshaw or or, or or Tarkovsky or anything like that. All of a sudden, you're, you're paid off for the two of, of the buffs that, buffs that don't do as well. Like you know what I'm saying, you know your Kirschbaumers who is still working on it, or your Goggers or your your Hoffmans. And I don't know whether everyone gets so focused on the fact that every single player that comes in has to be absolutely top of the line absolutely brilliant because back in the day we never used to be like that we used to be we used to settle with having some wicked players some all right players and some sort of average players and we still used to do all right but now it's like everybody that comes in has to be flipping messy i mean am i am i getting this wrong i think i think no uh, the system does build in failure i mean i remember very very early on benham was saying if we buy three players for a million pounds and we sell two of them for three million pounds each, we've made a lot of money. And so, so the system builds in the, the occasional failure, the occasional risk. I mean, I, I remember you saying that Goggy was on peanuts. And OK, it's fine. It didn't cost us much. You know, uh, did, did, did us no harm. That was the failure out of the three players. Well, maybe not, because he's going to have a Germany scoring on those goals and we might flog him for 200 grand. Yeah. It's more than we bought him for and, you know... Yeah, but that, that's, that's the Chelsea model, isn't it? Where they get loads of kids and they never play them and they sell them for millions. But, you know, when, when, you know we haven't got that kind of academy. But, you know, you know we, we've proven that we can buy players for a million or a lot less and sell them for a lot more. I think you know, we, we don't buy lots of players. We're not one of these sides that buy 27 players every summer and change it. You know, we're fairly selective on what we do. So if you're only going to buy five, six, seven and two, three, four a success, then that's good. I, th- I think, interestingly... You know, we're now buying players for the B team. And that's, that's a really different concept for us to say, you know, we're going to buy you know, Grinch's grandson and, you know, for the B team. And, you know, is he any good? I don't know. We're kind of missing that. There are players there. And I think if we see some of those come through to the first team, that'll be an interesting bit because these players aren't costing any money at all. I think the issue becomes when you get these players on three-year contracts, 
and you're looking to sell them after you can't even get two years out of them you get to 18 months and people say right you've got to sell now because if you don't sell after 18 months in the January window of the, you know, the second year you ain't going to get any money for them and yeah, that, that's the worrying bit at some point if you want to do a sustained push to the Premiership if that's really where we want to go you, know, you have to say what your team is and you need some stability and our constant model at the moment is we are churning the best players out you know, a couple of year, a couple of year, and I think if we genuinely want to push for the Premiership at some point you're going to have to hold on to some of those players maybe the longer contracts we were talking about earlier and that's, the, yeah. that's, that's my fault there yeah. I'm going to slightly disagree because I think we've got to be very cautious here because you have to look at the players that we've brought in recently um, being very specific with the words here and the players that we've sold recently because the players that we've sold recently or could have sold recently and I'll just take three of them Andre Gray Alan Judge Scott Hogan were all brought in by the previous uh, transfer panel of McParland, Warburton, Matthew Benham. And they were brought in in a system where uh, a player was identified, such as Alan Judge, was brought in from Blackburn, was clearly the best player in League One when he played in Notts County. We wanted him, but he went to Blackburn Rovers. He didn't settle at Blackburn Rovers, so we went after a player that we wanted and we got him, thank God, because he's a brilliant player. But he was uh, 26, maybe 25, 26 when we when we landed him. His his sell-on value is less than somebody like Andre Gray or Scott Hogan, who we signed at 21. But he's developed into such a player at Brentford in the Championship that he this time last year he was worth eight or nine million pounds. Um, we signed Hogan. He's come back from two cruciate ligament injuries, and now he's worth 15 million pounds, and he's worth every penny of that 15 million. Let me tell you. Um, and we signed Andre Gray, who was just a revelation um, when Hogan got injured, and we sold him for nine million pound and rising. You know, and he's you know, there's rumours that West Ham are. Uh, uh, making a bid for him for 15 million instead of Hogan for 15 million. Okay, one thing I'll say because again, you bring in the previous regime. Listen, take all that fact, but the fact is that at least two of those players, I can't say about Judge, but at least two of those players were identified by the same methods that we identify our players now. Okay, you throw it into the mixer, you throw it into the computer, they come out and they're like bing, bing, bing. Somebody goes off and scouts them and they brought them in. They were 100% Andre Gray and Scott Hogan were identified. They were off the radar on the statistical model that a lot of people really hate, but they were off the radar on that, so they're bought in. So to be quite honest with you, it kind of doesn't really matter what system they're in. The fact is that they were bought in at a time where it's easy for us to bring in a player. No one was interested in bringing in a player from the conference. No one is interested in bringing a player from Division 2 and making him play in the championship. They laughed us out of town. Two years later, you've got Jamie Vardy doing the business, blah, 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 and everyone's copying us. So the problem that we have is that you're ahead of the, you're ahead of the game. Then, then all of a sudden, you do the business, everyone goes, bloody hell, they've got a conference player, and he's now knocking in goals. We'll all do that now. So what you have to do is you've always got to be ahead of the game. So it's not about the regime or like that. It's kind of how do you keep ahead of the game. OK, so let's just take one of the players who's now moved in the transfer window, Ibrahim uh, Mater at Harrow Borough. Now, in October, he was on trial as a striker. He was, he's a local club to us, Harrowborough, and, and they've had some players over the years that have, you know, that have uh, gone on to the professional ranks. Uh, David Speedy, uh, Albert, uh, you know, of past years, Albert uh, Adoma, and obviously Jack Bonham, who's on our uh, list at the moment. But this, this lad, Ibrahim Mete, or Mete, um, was on trial at Leicester in October. That's how he's on the radar. And Leicester didn't take him, but they took him back for another trial. And Cardiff have gone into Harrowborough, uh, along with a couple of other clubs, and they've made an offer and a lad signed for Cardiff. Now, at no point in time 
was Brentford listed as look as one of those clubs looking at this local lad. How do you know? It's just it's not it's not registered anywhere that Brentford. And again, I'm not I'm not sticking up for anyone, but we're not like West Ham. We don't necessarily do all our business in the public eye. So how do you know that they didn't look at him and they felt that he wasn't right for Brentford? I don't know that, but what I'm saying is, is there's not listed anywhere in you know in the press releases that such and such a club are looking at Brentford are mentioned in that in that uh, in that discussion. And Harrow Borough is a local club to Brentford now. You know, oh, is that because we're missing the local players that are playing for Wealdstone, Harrowborough, you know, uh, Kingstonian, uh, um, and 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 clubs that are local to us? Uh, because we're looking at this model which says, well, we can look at TV screens and we can look at players in uh, in Stuttgart, we can look at players in Hoffenheim, we can look at players in, in Austria, we can look at players in in Denmark. And and are we missing are we missing those players that are further down the chain and, and only looking at uh, national league? And again, I can't answer that. I can't answer that question because I don't know. Um, uh, the, the, as then did a little bit of in, research on the mitre as well. So striker, like I said, Lona, he was at Lona Leicester for a bit, where they did a bit of trial on him. He scored 17 goals in 30 appearances for Haraburra this season. Um, they call him the Shark, actually. And um, he was actually yeah, he was, a bit, he was from Roehampton, like you know, a bit of a naughty, naughty boy at the time. So he sent over to Ivory Coast for review, and they made him the business. Came back there. He's done and he's done the business. He's signed for Neil Warnock up at Cardiff. Now I might be wrong, but the, the signs sort of say to me that he's signed for Neil Warnock. He's signed for for Leicester. So maybe the, the style of play that he is may not. I don't know. May suit. It may not suit the way that we play. I don't know. We, we, you'd have to go and ask the scouts to say, do you know him? I'll be quite surprised if he's. You know, if all the top players are out then in the non-leagues weren't on the radar, but. I don't know their system. But the fact is, I think it's very easy to say if a team goes and signs someone from non-league because he's called X amount of goals that we're not in there because at the end of the day, we don't 100% know what they're looking for. All I know is that we... Like, say, for example, Omar Bogle. And we're going to talk about Omar Bogle in a minute. He plays... He scored, he's banging goals in for fun for, uh, for, for Grimsby. Whether or not Omar Bogle will be the right type of player still for Brentford, I don't know because I'm not technically in that field with all these other characters out there to say whether or not that's the case. But... There's been no sniffs about us and Omar Bogle, but he's been sniffing around the Barnsleys maybe and your Rotherhams, which leads me to believe that maybe he suits their style of football as opposed to us. Well, you know, I think Omar Bogle is very much like Scott Hogan. You know, good cut run for, for Grimsby, good cut run for Rochdale. Scott Hogan came on the scene. He scored two goals in the cup game. And it doesn't matter what statistical analysis we did after him there. That's, that's when he came onto the scene. If we were scouting Scott Hogan for Rochdale before then, I'd be very surprised if he hadn't scored a lot of goals for Rochdale before he scored those goals in the FA Cup. Um, Omar Bogle for, for Grimsby. Grimsby were the top side in the National League up until they played uh, Lincoln on December the 2nd. And since Lincoln played them on, in, in early December, Lincoln have gone on a run of 21 games. That's why they're in the fourth round of the FA Cup. And if you look at the lad who scored their goal last night, you know, are we looking at him? Because he looked like a tremendous player last night. He put in a great cross in the first half that the big guy should have scored from. He scored the winner in the 90th minute after a willing run, you know, from 70, 80 yards, busting long against championship defenders. Against championship defenders, he went past them like a knife through butter. That's the player I want to see our scouting team look like. That's the type of player that I want to see Andy Scott and the analytics guys looking at. And, so, and, and I want to see, I want to know that we're looking at these players. 
I, I don't, you know, I want, I want to hear Brentford are looking at a player from Lincoln City in the National League. I want to hear Brentford are uh, talking to Harrow Borough manager, talking to Wheelstone manager, and yeah, and it's great that we've got the ability to analyse players, you know, all around Europe. But if they're going to come in and be Andy Goggia or be Kirsten Constantine Kirschbaumer or be Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman, or whatever his bloody first name is, then I'd rather not bother. And it's, I'm just going to talk because I've got to just line it up a little bit as well. I've got a little bogle story as well because it's interesting. Uh, a friend of mine who's a uh, right, ex professional footballer, he, he went up to, to Barnsley a, a few few days ago actually. He just went up there to uh, just to chill out and he pulled up outside the Barnsley uh, ground and he got out of the cab. And uh, one of the people from the club goes, Hi, Omar Bogle, how are you? Right. <laughs> um, you know what the next line should be, but I wouldn't really say it because but you know exactly what I'm saying. But I'm also just wondering, like you know what I'm saying, as as we all look the same, um, is uh, whether or not Omar Bogle was meant to be up there as well. So maybe that might have been a little bit of a telltale sign. Somebody else said they're end up there, who's that? Well, I was only gonna say I, I, I don't know the lower leagues as well as some of the others around this table, but you know, just, just we have in the new regime Egan, Bentley, Henry. You know, we've got three players there where we have got down to the lower leagues again with that with our standard model. Yeah, and, and Sawyers, you know, Majuri's out for someone Sawyers. No, not for me. I think I can see that you know the, the guy's got some quality that yeah, again, one of the guys who needs to lose some mistakes maybe to, to win everybody over. There's four players there where we have gone down the leagues and bought players. It's exactly the model that we've been advocating for the previous three or four years, the players that you've just mentioned, where we bought them in. You know, these these guys are new into the you know, the, the, they're in their sort of year one of a contract. And maybe in two, three years' time, you might be talking about those in the same breath in terms of money up. So I do think people are still coming in. It's very easy to look back and say, well, what happened three years ago? When we're now seeing that you know, those are the ones that are up for sale and those ones where the money's being raised. This may still happen for people. You know, Bentley's been you know, 1.1 million for Bentley. None of us are going, shit, that's a real bad fee. I mean, it's a little bit higher than we thought, but we think that's good value. You know, Henry, we're all excited for. We haven't even seen him yet. We're excited. Egan, 400,000, bargain. You know, I think they're still coming in. Maybe we need to draw a line in the sand about Brentford's history and Brentford's now because, you know, we, we can talk about Robbie Cook and we could talk about Herlock, Kamara, whatever. That's yesterday, yeah. That's a different Brentford. Today's Brentford, you know, it, today's football, this is about here and now and these figures are massive and these players are worth big money. And big money, big money, big FA Cup money. We've got Chelsea in the FA Cup in a, well, just over a week's time. So, I mean, it's all great we're playing Chelsea, but... Some people aren't happy. Liberal Nick, who has not been up for a couple of weeks, but he is with us in spirit. Every week we have a rant from Liberal Nick. Liberal Nick is not happy with something. He'll tell you what he's not happy with right now. Watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic. Psych! So, 6,000 tickets for the Chelsea game. Excellent news. Looking forward to it. However, I, I might want to be with my friends who sing and chant at games. Others may want to sit with their friends who watch the games quietly. But if you're a Bees fan, you get no choice. Chelsea, that rich club, can't supply anybody with a seating plan. All they can tell us is you can buy a seat in the upper tier or the lower tier. What's the use of that? You're paying £30. If you paid £30 at the theatre or the cinema, you would expect to know in advance where your seat was and what your view of the stage or the screen was like. But in football, no, you just get told to sit where you're put. This is ridiculous and ought to be sorted out. It's the 21st century, after all. Stupid. Watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic. Psych! Liberal Nick, not happy. 
should be allocated seats. We should not, we should be able to sit where we want, or we should be able to choose where we sit. And to be quite honest with you, I'm. Uh, I we actually all agree with him here, actually, don't we? Well, not really. Actually, no. Well, we we agree with the idea. I mean, it's, the fact that he's delivered it actually is probably probably put a downer on it. But um, the Grimesy. Well, the last game we played Chelsea, I, I got sat on the wing of the uh, of the shed end, so off to the right hand side. What did you choose your ticket? Uh, I didn't choose my ticket, I don't think, and and I was kind of sat very close to the Chelsea fans, and um, you know I'm of a certain stature. Uh, and weight are roughly about 16 and a half, 17 stone. Whoa, yeah. Okay, oh, ma- yeah. okay, okay, maybe a bit more than that. When was that done? <laughs> it's a few years ago, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, maybe a bit more than that, well, four stone more than that, to be fair. Um, and I've got no hair. So, you know, I'm just a target for idiots in the Chelsea end to go, oi, you, you fat, bald, bastard, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Excuse my language. And, and you know, I don't want to sit next to those people who, who go to football matches just to you know, scream abuse at somebody who supports another team. I go to a football match because I want to watch the football match. And so when I went down to get my tickets today, I purposely said that to Mads. And, you know, I'm lucky enough that my uh, points total has allowed me to say to her today, you know, I want to be, I don't want to be at the back where people are standing and want to sing. I don't want to be downstairs where people are just standing and want to sing. I want to be near the, the front of the upper uh, upper tier. I want to be sat down so everyone behind me can look over the top of my head and I want to watch the game. I don't want anybody in front of me standing up. I want to watch the game. I don't want to be near any Chelsea fans. And I was lucky enough to be able to do that today on day two or day three of the ticket sales. And as the tickets are, are selling... And as the tickets are selling, I think it's going to be harder for fans to be able to pick those seats, to pick where they're sitting, because obviously the guys in the ticket office are just going to go, how many tickets do you want? Three, there you go. And then you're going to get there and you're in row R, you know, in the, in the right-hand wing or the left-hand wing of the shed end. You're not going to be able to see much or hear much because the people stood up in front of you or stood up behind you or singing. So I'm with Liberal Nick all the way in terms of this rant. Chelsea shed end without a seat without a seating plan is just an absolute nonsense. So, so maybe we should have a Liberal Nick and uh, Royal Oak B rant next time. You think so? Absolutely, I'll be here. I'm I'm with Liberal Nick all the way. That's never been said. Uh, so can we send you to the West Country? Yes, I'm living in Leicestershire now, so that's close enough to the West Country. Just go. Watch us wreck the mic. Watch us wreck the mic. Watch us wreck the mic. Psych. So Saturday, Brentford are up in the northwest. They're off to Wigan. Again, trying to see if they can get back on the winning trail after last Saturday, unfortunately. And luckily, going down 2-1 to Newcastle. We're going to find out about Wigan, because we're going to talk to Warbo from Russell Wigan or Lactic Speak. Warbo, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Billy. Very well, considering where we are in the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It seems that Wigan seems to have gone off the boil a bit this season. I mean, why is that then? Uh, I, I think we find the step up quite difficult. Um, it's taken us quite a while to adjust to it. I, I thought under Gary Caldwell we were just getting to grips and, and, uh, and we stacked him. <laughs> so that was a bit of a shock. Um, we'd lost one game in six when we got fired and then we brought in Warren Joyce who was uh, basically a youth team coach from United and it's taken him the best part of half a dozen games to get used to the tempo of the, uh, you know, of, of, the, of the championships. So, uh, strange, strange. So we're just—I think we're just getting to grips now. I mean, you say you're getting to grips. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, you sound a little bit kind of sad. I mean, some some Wigan fans we've seen the same. Harry Caldwell getting sacked in was the wrong thing to do. I mean, I'm feeling you're thinking that as well. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, just for the fact he, he took us up as champions, I thought 
just given the season. If we go down, we go down, you know. Um, but he, he deserved that chance. And, and to be fair to Colwell, he, you know, the team had started to play decently. I mean, we've been to your place when you were flying and we, we, we've grown out that nil nil down at your place. And uh, the only games we lost, we lost by the odd goal. Uh, and uh, Warren Josh's first game in charge, we were 2-0 down after seven minutes against Reading. Oh, yeah, it was a bit... I'd have liked to... To, you know, to step to all the Caldwell. I like the style of football. So. Yeah, that's right. I mean, as you can hear, I mean, you know, Caldwell and all your, your, your I think your chairman's actually flying over. He's probably doing a bit of a scouting job over the over the Brentford uh, <laughs> the Brentford training pitch at the moment now. You know, knowing that he's got so much money, you know, all your man. But anyway, you know, that, we'll leave that to him. But listen, Warren Joyce. I mean, you said he was the reserve team manager at Man United. Can you yeah. see any hints of? of Premier League vibe or quality that you have bought for your team so far? Well, I'll, I'll be perfectly frank uh, with you, Billy. I think I was his biggest critic for the first uh, half a dozen games. I, 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 I have a little piece of the paper every week and I absolutely slated him. <laughs> uh, because I, I, I thought was that we were going backwards. Uh, but to be honest, the last two games, uh, things seem to have changed a little bit. And, and I, I have always said, I hope he rams these words down the throat. Um, and the last two games, we played Forest in the Cup. Granted, it was FA Cup, and I think uh, Forest just didn't turn up. But, but we could have won that game with four or five goals. And then I went to Burton on Saturday, and it was just, there, was, there was a lot of spirit in the team, a lot of fight and fire. Um, it, it, there's something there now, which, uh, you know, which I, I'm, I'm quite optimistic about. Now, for me, the big test is Saturday. Forest and Burton, two poor sides. Um, Brentford half decent, so we'll see what happens on Saturday where that's concerned, I think. So we'll see. I mean, OK, the transfer window's open, and there are lots of rumours flying around, as there always are. Um, I see Ravel Morrison is training with Wigan after he's been told by Lazio that he's got no future with them. Now, if I remember rightly, he was in the same team as Pogba as a youth, and uh, Alex Ferguson said that they were two of the best midfielders he'd ever seen. Um, obviously went a little bit um, astray and uh, discipline is, 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 is mainstay there but I mean for me do you think this is something that's going to happen or is he just sort of kind of running around with your players and doing the cones um, I don't really know I, I know Warren Joyce likes him he said he's one of the best players he's ever worked with because he was youth team manager when, when he was at United um, but it's reported that he's at least a stone and a half overweight it, it, it appears he's not done any training for the past four or five months, and he's, he's really out of condition. And Joyce himself has said it just depends how quickly we can get him up, up to speed. Now, uh, there's been no signs so far. He's not played in, in any games. All he's been doing is training. But, I mean, he has got quality. I, I remember him for, you know, your rivals QPR a couple of seasons back in the championship, and, and he was turning up trees. He, he, you know, he, he was doing really well. But he always has that bad boy image about him, doesn't he? And you're wondering, you know, is it... Is is that one bad apple going to spoil, spoil the the carrots anyway? If he does come in, I don't know. I don't know. But if he brings a bit of quality and he and he gets us a couple, because we're, we're not scoring too many goals at the moment, and he can bag us a couple of goals, then then you know, fair play to him. But I think okay. it's a wait and see really on that one. All right. Okay. Anyone else you're looking to bring in then? Uh, yeah, Jim uh, Jim Karakin is uh, a, a guy from Reading. Do you remember him at Reading? He was a, a Turkish international, but he's a, a London-born lad. Uh, and he went off to Galatasaray. I think he was at Reading for about seven seasons, playing in the Premier League with a midfielder. Uh, he went off to Galatasaray. I know we've had him. We've had him down 
uh, last week, and it, apparently it's passed the medical with us, and we're waiting to tie, tie up the deal now. There's a chance, the rumour is there's a chance he'll be in the squad on Saturday, so uh, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him, because the Reading fans absolutely adored him, loved him. and he was, he was skipper down there for a while, So, but he, he suffered a couple of bad injuries, and it didn't quite work out in Turkey for him. Um, I think his dad was Turkish, and he wanted to go and play for Galatasaray, and when the opportunity came, he went, and it's not quite worked out, so, so that that is the only one we've got at the moment. But I will say we've signed two players over the last two weeks. We've brought in a, a new goalkeeper, Club um, Hag Hogard from Stoke. Uh, we only knew he was had signed when he was announced in the team against Nottingham Forest, <laughs> and then on Saturday, and he had a great game by the way, kept a clean sheet. And then on Saturday at Burton, we got Alan Connolly from Everton who we only found out of time when he was named in the team sheet and he scored two goals. So, oh, um, oh. you just never know. I don't know. Oh. You know, we might, we might have another new player in the team on Saturday. We'll just have to wait and see. Oh, OK. Well, you seem to be uh, a little bit better at actually making your transfer signings than West Ham, who seem to be leaking all of their activity out there. So, as, as we found out with our Scott Hogan anyway. But, I mean, just talk about, you know, your players. We were linked with midfielder Max Power earlier at this window, actually. And uh, apparently, and apparently, also be putting, uh, allegedly we're putting an offer for him before Reynolds be sniffing around him. Um, but apparently, the price that you're asking was a little bit silly. I mean, Matt, what's, what's he like? Um, I, everybody likes him. Some people love him. I'm a lover of Max Power. He's uh, 100%. He's a, he's a hard-working midfielder. Uh, very versatile. Can play right across the midfield, left, right, centre, defensive, attacking. Uh, he scored some great goals for us last season. It's not tell you this season. It's not scored for us this season. Uh, but he, he's only just turned 23, so he's still a kid. And he's about 150 appearances under his belt already. Uh, we got him from Tranmere, uh, and he's uh, he's art and soul. He's one of those art and soul players. He loves the fans. He loves the club. Uh, he's first to celebrate. He's, he's, he puts his hand up when he makes a mistake. He never shies away from the ball. When he's having a, a bad game, he'll play, try and put himself into it. He'll go in 50-50s. Um, he, he's a superb player. I think he's got bags of potential. When I look at him, he reminds me very much of James MacArthur when we first signed James MacArthur, age 23, from, from Hamilton. And you, we've seen what James MacArthur has developed into a, a solid Premier League player. So I think he's got the potential to do it. Whether he will or not is a different matter. Also on that, I've, I've heard... And this is what I've heard up this end, that we actually accepted bid, but Max Powell's wife didn't want to move down south, and, and uh, Max Powell himself has turned the move down uh, for family Ooh. reasons. Oh, well, That's what I've heard. No, okay, we're not. Uh, mm, so how much truth there is in that? Uh, okay. I don't know, but somebody was talking to the family, so uh, I can't say more than that, or else I'm not getting people in trouble. So. Uh, all right, OK. Well, I might, we have to do our, our usual bit sniffing around, so by the time this podcast goes out tonight, we might have a little bit more news on that anyway. But listen, also, talk about ex-players, Will Greek. I mean, Will one Greek. of our ex-players, obviously, he's got the use of a hat full of goals, saw 29 goals last season. Doesn't seem to be doing it so well this season. He's only scored seven in this division. I mean, how's he getting on? Uh, he's, working, he's working really hard. Um, he's, he's putting the centre-halves under pressure. But he's not getting the chances. He's not getting the chances like it is. I mean, the step-up from your team, as a team, we find it difficult. Um, we were conceding a lot of stupid goals early season. So, uh, Caldwell made us a lot more defensive. And Warren Joyce has come in. 
And he, like I say, in his first game, we were two down after seven minutes. From then on, he, he's played a defensive way. So obviously, you're losing something on the offensive side when, when you're playing you know, cautious football. So we've not been creating the chances for him. Uh, he scored against Forrest. It was a typical grid goal. One uh, overlap down the left, put the ball into the centre, he nipped in in front of the keeper and just poked it home. But I can't remember any other occasions where, you know, in the last five or six games where we've done that for him to get on the end of. Uh, on Saturday, he was shooting from outside of the box, and, and that's not Will Grigg at all. You know, he does his best work inside the 18 yard box. So mm-hmm. I think it's more uh, the players creating the chances for him rather than. Than uh, him being, you know, novices. Like he scored six goals this season. Don't forget. So he's not, uh, he's, you know, he's not, he's not been shirky. Uh, the last time we was in the championship, James McLean was our top scorer with six goals all season, and he's like I say, he's got six already. So he'll be, all right. I, 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 you know, I, I don't think he's going to get 20, 20 odd goals again. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him in like twelve to fourteen goals by the end of the season. Okay, I don't see that. It's not too bad. So. Just looking forward, the FA Cup, it's always a great distraction when the season <laughs> isn't going to plan. Um, we're both in the hat. We were in the hat. You know, we've both got Premier League teams coming. I mean, are you looking forward to your match with Man United? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, obviously your manager is. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward probably for all the wrong reasons. I'm looking forward because it's going to be a good payday for the club and it's going to put some money in the coppers. This is the last season of our parachute payment, so... Um, Everybody knows we're going to have tickets aren't the best supported club in the country, and we're desperate for money. Uh, so it's going to put it's going to put uh, one and a half million in, in, into the club's bank account. So from that reason alone, it's going to be brilliant. If we get knocked out away at Man United, you know there's no shame in that for a, for a Championship club. So I think we're on a win-win situation here. And to be honest with you, Billy, uh, I wouldn't be too disappointed if we did go out FA Cup because we need to get ourselves up that Championship and and, and Keep focusing on that. So, you know, our affinity with the FA Cup because we did win it in 2013. I mean, are you aware of that fact? I, I think, well, yeah, I mean, like, that's a of my brain. Well, of course, yeah, I remember now. <laughs> yeah. It's something we always like to get in. So, you know, we do have the affinity with the FA Cup, but in seriousness, it's, it's more about focusing on the championship, making sure we're stopping it. But what a, what a glamorous tie for us. Local rivals, Man United, it's only 18 miles up the road. We're going to make a million and a half quid out of it. Out of it. Uh, if we can get a replay down here, all the better. And uh, like I said, we won't be too disappointed if we get knocked out. And, and Will Griggs obviously looking forward to it because the last time he played Man United with MK Dons, a.k.a. Franchise FC, he actually <laughs> scored two goals. So, uh, of course, I mean, he'll be looking forward to that game. And also, it's a record for you guys. You're, in, you're part of a record because it's actually Man United's 56th consecutive televised FA Cup match, which is unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, that's re- absolutely ridiculous when you look at the, that stats. Yeah, 56 games consecutively on the TV <laughs> in the FA yeah. Cup. You, yeah. who's, who's the worst? Man United or Leeds United in the Championship? I, <laughs> I just can't remember. It's the same teams that week in, week out, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is. But listen, Saturday's coming. You've got the mighty, mighty bees coming up. Brentford are coming to town. I'll ask you a simple question. Are you scared? Um... I'm not scared. I'm excited. I'm excited because uh, I'm hoping to see a good game. I'm hoping to see an entertaining game. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing... Is, will Logan be playing, do you think? Or uh, is he going to be on the bench if, not, if he's not already gone? 
Well, this is a big question. I'm going to be discussing it again in the podcast tonight. Will he play? Will he not play? Is it better to put him out there, put him in the window, score a few more goals, or is it better for us to protect the assets um, to try and get the 15 million? Um, and if it doesn't happen at the end of the window, that you put it back in. I don't know, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a friend who's a Rochdale season ticket holder, and he's pulling his ear out because he wants you to sell him so they can have a bit of cash. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be quite honest with you, we don't want him to go, but the fact that he's in this kind of middle ground at the moment now, we're actually thinking, you know, it's almost better to go now and so we can get the money in so we can actually buy extra players and get on with our lives, because it's really a little bit of a kind of no-man's land at the moment now, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've yeah. been looking at your farm. Uh, you're away from, uh, well, since we've played you, it's been, it's been a quiet up and down. Haven't you? You've only won four championship games since you played us back in yeah. on the 1st of October. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, and just giving a little bit of background, since we played you pretty much, we've been pretty patchy. We've had a really grab couple of months. We, after you, like I said, we lost to Newcastle. We lost to like, teams like Blackburn, who, you know, with all due respect to them, they're pretty awful, but we still lost to them there. They did their typicals of big players, ball into the middle and, you know, header into the football goal stuff. You know, we went up to Norwich, who had lost about nine games in a row or something ridiculous. And we, we were the only team to lose to them in nine games, and then they lost a few more. We played them, and then we drew nil all with them. I, I, what we were doing at the time, you know, sort of October, November, December, the football wasn't really great. Um, fans moaned a bit, you know, um, given a bit of kick up the arse, we've got a kick up the arse on New Year's, New Year's Day. And then after that, we come back and we've changed the style up a bit. And we're actually playing more expansive, more exciting. Second half of Birmingham was great. We came back 3-1, we won there. Uh, we beat um, Eastleigh in the FA Cup 5-1. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant football. If you go onto YouTube and you check the goals that we play, they're absolutely brilliant. I know they're a non-league, but a lot of teams struggle against non-league yeah. sides, as you've seen in the FA Cup. Look at Ipswich against Lincoln. Yeah, you know, yeah. So they behaved absolutely brilliant, they did. And against Newcastle last week, we played Newcastle, they beat us 2-1. But if you listen to our podcast, just go on to Audio Boom or go into besotted.co.uk to our podcast. Listen to the Newcastle fans. They all said you absolutely battered us in that game. But we just didn't get the chances. And they, brilliant strikers, scored the two chances that they had in the game. But other than that, we were all over them. So hopefully, we'll be able to take that form to Wigan on Saturday. Yeah. We'll see. Well, I was excited. Now I'm a little bit fearful. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, this is our test for me. Uh, we, like I said, we, we, we've beaten a, a very, very poor Forest. We beat a poor Burton. And now I think we're playing an half-decent side in yourselves. And... Uh, if, if we can get if we can get a positive result and by that I'd take a draw, uh, I, I think that's going to set us up for the for the coming weeks. But uh, a defeat, I think, a defeat sets us back again. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so give us a score prediction, Wilbur. I'll go one apiece. Okay, so he's gone for one all. Okay, and I'm going to go for two one to the mighty bees because I've you know, oh, I would expect the bees to win. You know what I'm saying? So, but listen, yeah, Wilbur, great to chat to you. And listen, Saturday, hopefully, we'll catch up to you. We'll be up there. Fairly early up in Wigan, and I think we're probably drinking in the Anvil or something like that. Oh, there's another pub that's open up now, but I'm sure we'll be in touch, and hopefully we'll catch up for a few beers for the match. Yeah, there's a pub called the uh, Wigan Central, which is, if you come out of the train station, turn left, it's 100 yards on your left-hand side, just over the railway bridge, turn left there, real ale, cheap prices, and they sell pies, and it's fantastic, and it, it gets full of home and away supporters. Is that, and it's, is that the new pub? Yeah. Is that the new one that's just yeah. open? We've been told about that one, so maybe that might be the one, mate. So I'll see you yeah. in there. I'll be in there. I'm Wicked, man. Wicked, man. All right. Nice one, Wolbo. Okay. Cheers, Billy. Watch us wreck the mic. Watch us wreck the mic. Watch us wreck the mic. 
sight. So, nice one, Warbo. We're going to see him on Saturday. He's giving all the bar action that's going on. I don't know how many bees are going up there. Probably about 500 or so. It's January, you know, everyone's a bit skint, but still, you know, you've got to follow your team, so it should be a bit of a laugh. Probably one of those, again, one of those away days that you're not expecting too much, and it, it all kicks off. But um, Wigan, as he said, going to come a little bit defensive on us, so we're going to have to play our game. We're going to have to sort of, you know, do what we did against Eastley in the second half and actually work out how we're going to break down that defence and actually score a couple of goals, and fingers crossed we might be able to do it. Laney, what do you reckon? Score, prediction and the vibe? I said it earlier, we need to come out of the blocks, we need to play the football that we saw against Newcastle and Eastley, we need to be positive, we need to be pressing, we need to really, really go at Wigan. Um, we need to win it, and I think we will, and we're going to do it 3-1. Uh, I think we need to see some width. Uh, in the first half against Eastley, we had width. In the second half, when Josh Clark came on, he came inside too much and we lost the width and we stopped scoring goals. So uh, a bit of width and uh, a 2-0 win to the Bees. I'm not going to Wigan again, so let's move back to a Friday night because that was how it should be at Wigan. Um, but those were, <laughs> everyone laughed, there were some happy memories of that game. Um, I, I, I can't see us losing Saturday. Um, I'm not so sure we'll, we'll win it as you guys are. Um, but like most here, I never back a Brentford defeat. I think I'll go for a pretty dull nil-nil. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad I'm missing it. Um, to be fair, uh, I'm getting my flares out. I'm going down Wigan Pier, bit of Northern Soul, and I'll be dancing. There'll be no rumbling going on on Saturday. No, I'm not actually going to go to Sweden. I'm going to miss the game. I don't think, I don't think, I don't, yeah, loyal, yeah. Uh, that's my middle name, loyal. Uh, I don't think they're going to be uh, sitting back on us because they're playing at home and I think um, they are going to come at us more because they have to uh, with their predicament, which could play into our hands uh, if we start Vive up front, which I think we will, and Hogan off the bench. And um, I'm going to take us to win 2-1. And, and for me, and when we, I said we're going to discuss it tonight, but we, it's funny we just glossed it over, didn't even discuss it. But probably, sort of, kind of, if you listen to the conversation we've had, I think we're all presuming that Hogan isn't going to start today. Is that right? Is that right? Hogan won't start. No, uh, no. no. Hogan? no I don't think he'll even be on the bench this time. No, no he'll be on the bench. He won't start. Okay, so I mean, I don't think Hogan will start as well. I think he'd probably be on the bench as well. But I think that the bees are going to go up there. We're going to take on, you know, that, that whole vibe that they're from Newcastle, stuff like that two 0 to the mighty, mighty bees, Laney. Probably say the, maybe the last we saw of Hogan was when he went off with his clenched buttocks up at uh, St Andrews. Um, uh, that, that maybe it was, it was a very slow walk off. There was no clap goodbye, but maybe he, you know maybe his buttocks were flapping. Or maybe the last we see of Hogan is uh, I said maybe the last we see of Hogan when he comes on for the last ten minutes against Chelsea and scores the winner. Exactly that, <laughs> exactly that, and that's exactly how it should be because DJ Campbell made his name when he played for us in on the same Saturday at the end of January against Sunderland and scored those goals. And we took the 600 grand five days later, or three days later, whatever. We did, we did. So listen, listen, good good conversation, good chat, um, good pub, actually. Like I said to you, this is the, um, the Old Pack Horse pub in Chiswick High Road, and we do like this pub. They're very friendly, they're very nice, it's very cool, they play good music. Um, the bar's called Cool, they've got sort of theatre seats around the corner. Good, 
good Thai food restaurant as well, which is all good. So we really do enjoy it. Uh, we had a good chat today. We're playing Wigan on Saturday. We need to get back on track to get the points and then just get ourselves in the vibe for the following week. We're going to go to Chelsea, going by boat. The boat sold out in about, um, about 12 hours, I think. It was so one boat. Boat sold out 12 hours. It's going to be a, hopefully a little bit sort of drink up for the boat. An early pub opening up. If you're on the boat, just uh, message us or speak to Bryce and stuff like that. And we should give you the information about that. But it will be a nine o'clock opening for a bit of an early breakfast besotted. Talking about beer, is, is it going to be one for the road? Oh, we're going to have one for the road, yeah. Okay. I'm happy with that. Yeah, we're going to have one for the road, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> one for the road. Okay, we'll have one for the road. Um, Lady's being totally cryptic here, and I, I'm meant to pretend I know what's going on. Yes, we're going to go for one for the road. But anyway, besotted pride of West London podcast. Completely confused there. But um, we're, you can tell we're enjoying ourselves, and obviously somebody's laced his drinks. And uh, if I catch that person, I'm going to chase you down the street, and I'm going to wave my fist at you because I'm not very happy. He's my friend, and leave him alone. You can't put all this stuff. Yes, that's one for the road. Uh, anyway, besotted pride of West London podcast. Absolutely delight. We lost to Newcastle, but they were lovely. We had a really great laugh. We had all sorts of celebrities down there's all sorts of chums and, and cozying up and photobombing and everything like that going on and um, we love it all because we just love things we just <laughs> we just have right good laughs don't we and we had you know people just do nothing and the corrupt FM boys down and Chabuddy G and everything like that there's absolutely nothing going on because we're absolutely tell you something you said we're getting the vibe for Chelsea next week just quickly, we've got the Chelsea podcast on the podcast next week. They're going to be coming in. So we're going to find somewhere which is ostentatious, which has got lots of money because obviously they've got so much money. You know, we, we might even get them to pay for the drinks this time. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, yeah. Refurbished clothes. Yeah. So we'll do that as well. But anyway, so happy we are, as we said. And everyone's going to get ready to rumble because we're going to get ready to rumble as we say. Come on, you Let's get ready to rumble. Let's Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.